Tell it to a friend. And tell it to your friend's friend. And tell it to anyone that will hear, whose ears are open to hear what the Lord would say. Say unto them, come up with me to the house of the Lord. Come up with me to the mountain of God. Come up with me to the closet of prayer. For I say unto you, as I have said often, but continue to tell you, with all due diligence, that now is the time of birthing. Now is the time to come in to the fortress of prayer. Barricade yourself inside the walls of prayer. And put watchmen on the wall to fight against the enemy of distraction. For the baby is about to be born inside this fortress. A child of revival, an outpouring of revival. But I need all of the authority that you can muster through prayer and through fasting. Distraction and being less than laser focused is your greatest enemy at this time. Sickness, disease, poverty, strife, divisions, none of those equal anything that has the power to take you out of prayer or less than what you once were doing. Judge yourselves, saith the Spirit of the Lord. For I have said unto you often that only prayer and continuous prayer will birth this revival. So I say unto you, judge yourself of where you have been and where you're at and where you're going, says the Spirit of the Lord. Inside a room in this fortress, a baby is to be born. It is in the birth canal even now. But make no mistake. It can be aborted. Through distractions and through the cares of this life. It can be prolonged for many years. Understand that every prophecy given has always been contingent on whether or not you, my church, would do what I would ask and spend the time in intimacy and in prayer, saith the Spirit of the Lord. So grab a friend by the hand in the Spirit and a friend's friend and as many as you can gather in encouraging them to say, let us go up to the mount of God in prayer and spend the time Anything that takes away, no matter how precious it is, as in person, or anything in this life, anything that takes you away from what I've asked you to do, is an enemy of this birthing, says the Spirit of the Lord. I have no plan B. I have no other place to go. I plead with those who are 
close enough in authority to birth it. If I could do it sovereignly, I would do it sovereignly and then pass it over to you. But I have no other way except through your authority and your birthing. Let the watchmans on your wall be the directives of my spirit. Some enemies have been let into your camp already. And you've treated them as a friend. You've greeted them as a friend. Because they disguise themselves in different ways. They were friendly. They may have seemed to be a blessing. They may have seemed to be prosperity. They may have seemed to be an addition to your life. But I say unto you that anything that shakes your hand or hugs your neck in persona and takes you away from a continuous life of prayer has a mask Take off the mask through prayer and see what things are, says the Spirit of the Lord. Did I not say from the beginning in the blueprint prophecies that I would increase grace so that those who went in would all the more find opportunity to go in. And I would increase their desire so that their desire became unquenchable, un, un, could not be quenched beyond all things. And the joy of prayer would be the joy of their life. So I say to you, to my church here and my church listening discern all things evaluate all things yes sir the joy of these things it will be announced as a bridegroom coming out to hold up a son that has been birthed to a family. A revival is to be birthed in this family, here, in this nation, and worldwide. And think not that I am not saying these same things, but in different manners to others across this nation, says the Spirit of the Lord, and around the world. Hallelujah. Well, we praise God for His presence. So wonderful. I can't wait to hear that prophecy myself. He's encouraging us. Don't stop, but increase. Hallelujah. Increase. Hallelujah.
Thank you for everybody that's watching. We appreciate you being here. Pablo was just telling me we went over, was it Monday night? I guess it was. Monday night, yeah. We went over Monday night at the Brister's funeral home and did a memorial service or funeral service. She, the, she was there, but she wasn't there for his sister, Alicia. And uh, boy, it was an incredible crowd, wasn't it? Just a really packed out place, standing room only. The walls in the back were lined up with people. And uh, I'm sure you'd believe that the anointing came real strong. And we preached and uh, we taught and preached and uh, there wasn't a distraction in the room. Every eye, every ear, every person was listening. You know, the anointing will captivate people. And uh, I didn't know her, but I was able to speak out of the anointing and out of the word, of course. And Pablo told me that his sister has been getting calls and said, that was so powerful. You know, a lot of people have never heard what we, the anointing. They've never experienced the anointing. Never experienced, they've heard the word, but not with the anointing. And uh, so a lot of people have been saying, it was incredible. You know, it was really powerful. So we appreciate the Lord because we do nothing of ourselves. We don't, there's nothing that we do of ourselves. It's all Him. We just, the best that we can do is to, to know that we are to be used by Him. We have to follow Him. He does need a vessel. And I remember when I went to Pastor David Coker's and uh, <clears throat> their church was like three, four, five times bigger than ours as far as, especially now size-wise, physically, and people-wise, and I came, I had an incredible meeting. I was just like, <laughs> it was almost one of those meetings where I, the grace lines, I didn't even have to uh, touch people. It was like God showed up and showed out and showed off, and people were falling before I ever got there. You know, they were just, once I preached, then I got down, and it was like, wow, this is amazing. So, Dave was here, and I came back and told Dave. I said, this was like, those two or three days were just absolutely incredible. Just, I mean, <laughs> I could just look at somebody just about, say boo, and they went down. The power of God hit them. He said, Bronk, listen. He wasn't get on me. He was instructing me. He said, always remember, the next time you go, They'll expect the same thing. But don't you try to produce it. Don't ever try to duplicate or produce or do anything to fulfill some kind of face that the people need to see and hear. You just follow God. Just empty yourself out and follow Him. Well, I've tried to follow that instruction as he gave it to me. 
not only places I would go, but here. I know this, it doesn't, it's not only what I know from this word. It's very, very important that I know the word. But it's the anointing that backs up what I say. And the presence and the, the experience of power. By the way, I keep getting, Candy and I keep getting beautiful pictures of Wilda. She's just progressing so beautiful. Now we see her in her beautiful little outfits and her nice hair bands. And, and hallelujah, I got to tell you this, Sunday it, it looked really in the natural, very dismal for that girl, Tony Garcia, concerning her foot. I, I wouldn't even show most of you uh, the pictures because most of you couldn't stomach it unless you were tough or a doctor or something like that. Uh, so it looked like amputation was in the natural. We were praying against all odds. They have not amputated her foot. And uh, in fact, they're real. It's in the natural. It's even looking in the natural because in the spirit we've already. But in the natural, they've uh, backed off of that and they've drained all of the poison off the bone. And uh, tomorrow they're going in with with a they're going to graft skin from another place on her person and uh, fill those areas up. And. Uh, they said this is the last chance, but at least they're working with it. And this is days past, you know, days past. And they, so they're 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 hoping medically that the the infection doesn't return. But. We're seeing prayers answered. Impossible. These are really, really difficult prayers. These aren't run of the mill. These are these are game changers for people's lives. So uh, join with me tonight. We pray in Jesus' name for Tony Garcia. Lord, we continue to fight this battle with her, and we say in Jesus' name, Tony, if you're listening, I hope you are, be healed in the name of Jesus. I command poison to continue to stay off. It will not con it will not recuperate itself, but the bone and all the sinew, all the, the tissue around uh, the foot, in Jesus' name, whatever needs to happen for that to medically recuperate in Jesus name we speak life and release the life of God in Jesus name hallelujah thank you Jesus hallelujah Sunday was a wonderful day hallelujah we just keep camping out in prayer I want to encourage you by what I heard the Lord say stay in prayer at least bottom line at just just the bottom line now you may have you know, little beeps on your scale of prayer where some days are just, you know, a little bit more difficult to get in or you you had to go do something or two or three, you know, it may be a couple days or whatever. But watch patterns. Don't, please, this isn't, and I'm saying this, this isn't salvation stuff. This is what we, for us, birthing. Please don't, please don't fall below any standard that you set in the last couple of years. If that, whatever he's told you to do, uh, and you're doing that, um, like I said, you may go through, you know, a week or so or something, but 
watch patterns. Why? Because we've got to birth this thing. And it'll only be birthed through prayer. It really will. There's no revival. It's ever the first, the first church uh, revival. We call it a revival. It was the fullness of the kingdom of God coming in. It started day, with 10 days of, uh, with nonstop prayer and then the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, they weren't even filled and they prayed that thing into. <laughs> it was a promise. But how many of you know if they hadn't have gone there to receive it and stayed there and sat there, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have just caught them at home. It wouldn't have caught them at home. They were told to go and sit and wait. And so uh, that's exactly what, you know, so this isn't, that's not necessarily advertising about church prayer, but we do need to, to do that together. But just your own times of prayer I'm not, I know kind of where I believe he wants to go. But I just assume all of us come up here and pray, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's nothing about a church service that we have to do at any time. I mean, preach, you come in, preacher preaches, we worship a few songs. and Soon that's all going to be changing anyway because... Not that any of this is wrong, but I think when Jesus takes over like he's going to, uh, we're going to find services different, and I don't even know how to say that. If we knew how they'd be different, we'd be trying to do it right now in our own flesh. But we can't do that. We, we're going to birth it. Hallelujah. I'm listening because... To be me listening this service is real important. Hallelujah. Yes. Let me start out with this. Maybe I'll go to scripture, maybe not. I don't know. When I first met Dave, Pastor Dave Roberson, my pastor, he's still my pastor. I like what Gary has been saying. He's still teaching. Because Gary's listening to some of his old stuff and he's still saying, wow, still coming up with incredible stuff. He's always, he always was teaching the power of praying in tongues. That seemed to be, if you want to say, his forte, his call to reestablish to the body of Christ the necessity to pray in tongues and the reason why and what it would do as one of the, the major limbs as a catalyst to take us into every other limb and then produce the love of God in us and the deliberateness, the absolute deliberateness of what it would do for you or understanding what it would do for you produced a deliberateness like, okay, I will legalistically... Do you believe in legalistic prayer? Absolutely, until you, if you need to. Now, I don't think that the hours that I spend are legalistic in the sense of the word that I don't get under condemnation if one day is adjusted from the other. But discipline and legalism are two different things. Well, Pastor Dave would teach, and he started us off real 
he's always, he's always, he always taught tongues for the believer. But I saw him in a progression through the years. And as I saw him in a progression, I saw him different things that he would teach and different things. And, you know, he went through very methodically. He always taught tongues. At times he would go into uh, teaching on meditation of the Word of God and how to meditate the Word of God and how to get in there and um, receive by constant meditation and, and, and all the benefits of, of the Word of God. He would teach on fasting. He would teach all the, the benefits of fasting and he led that's the thing. He led the church. He not only would teach on it, but he would lead. So that's why we followed him. That's why I followed him, because there wasn't, he wasn't a man that just taught on fasting from the word. He would, several times, he would lock himself up for 30 days, sometimes 40 days. And he didn't tell you that, but you knew <laughs> just he'd be gone. And then you'd know by others that's, that, that's what he was doing. And he would teach on that, and he taught us extensively on that. But it was amazing to me as I watched his life uh, evolve, if you want to use that word, progress and grow in the power of the Spirit that one of the last limbs on his tree was the limb of worship. And as I followed him, I mean, I was there, the conference that the Born Again Trail was introduced. And uh, somebody asked him, what are you going to teach on this conference? He said, Born Again. <laughs> and they said, oh, yeah, Really? You're, you're making a joke. And he goes, no, I'm going to teach on born again. And of course, from that exploded uh, a series of revelation knowledge that I think to me just revolutionized the way that the church, the revivalist church, as we are part of, saw scripture. And prior to those revelations out of the born-again trail, so many of them I had never seen in my life. I had never heard anybody preach on before in my life. And so that was one, besides for his contribution to the kingdom and to the, to the church concerning praying in tongues, such wonderful series like and such wonderful revelation like born-again trail was introduced that just absolutely was a cornerstone that set the understanding for all other scripture once you begin to understand the things that he brought out. But the progression later on, years later, now he always would talk about the love of God and, and, and worship, but I, I also was going out there and I wasn't in the service uh, when Dave himself received an incredible um download or visitation from the lord in a prayer line and i remember him you know it was from one conference to the next somebody i know who that preacher is visited and uh they were preaching and i don't even know if they were teaching on worship that may not have been the essence
But Dave was in a fast. He said that later. He was in a fast. And the Lord instructed him once a grace line was called or prayer line was called. He said, you go ahead and get it. I want you to get up in the line. And it may not have been. I don't know that it was concerning worship or the subject. But um, the minister was ministering and never got to Dave. He just fell out in the spirit. And I remember him saying that as he was laying there, the Lord came to him and said, you don't know anything about worship. You don't know. And here's a man, I don't know, 30 years in the ministry or more, gone through multiple extended fast, knew God and maybe more than anybody I've ever met, and said, I want, the Lord instructed him, I want you to go into private worship. And he gave him the hours that he wanted to spend. And Dave is there with the Lord, talking to the Lord inside himself. So there's this dialogue going on. And the, the Lord said, you don't know anything about worship. But the Lord told him he was going to teach him and show him. <laughs> Dave asked the Lord, he said, well, uh, do you want me to continue to, to, to fast? And the Lord said, I didn't tell you not to fast. But he did tell him this. He said, Fasting cannot give you what worship can. It cannot give you. So I, I think, I think, I think he, he broke that fast, that, that particular fast, just to go in and spend the hours privately because it was extended hours. And from that, it wasn't immediately, from that he gave his own testimony that... Uh, those hours initially um, they at some point became very very dry (laughs) very very laborious somebody said well you know I've never had uh, problems worshiping probably not in in the zone that you're in maybe not and you may have a good worship uh, but once you get past your zone, your comfort zone, into new territory, the kind of territory that uh, he was asking Dave to go and that he's asking the church to go. Um, yes, sir. He wanted me to say this because I just heard him. He, he just said something. He said, let them know that the breakthrough is different than the maintenance or the actual outpouring presence itself. In other words, what it takes to break through and what he's asking us to do, we will always be required to maintain prayer and worship. But sometimes, like if you were asked to spend five, six, seven hours in worship or in prayer to birth something once it's birthed it is birthed you'll still be of an asset there will still be of a necessity to pray but it will not be of the same kind of prayer as in laboring to birth in other words and i i can't put a number on this but i'll do it just for 
illustration purposes than three hours a day or three or four or whatever. You know, if you're a revivalist and you're, especially if you're an elder or have a, a ministry. And it's getting where he's asking people that have jobs to spend more time. Well, how can you do that? How's everybody on temperature? You okay? Maybe I got a long sleeve shirt on. You are? Just a little bit in here. Pull it down. Just a little. There's a lot of stuff that he's pruning to give us more time. But Pastor Dave went in and it got dry. And he said it got to the point where uh, he would say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it was like, <laughs> he said you could take a spatula and take I love you and pick it up off the floor, flip it up, <laughs> I love you, <laughs> and it come right back down. But I remember the conference or conferences, because there was a number of them after that, where there was a, he broke through. He broke through. And look, I'm, I'm listening. As I'm listening, I'm also giving you some personal experience. And I don't, I do not want to act like or present some myself to be somebody. I don't want you to see me further along than I am, but I want to give you wherever I am so it'll help you. So I have spent those kinds, tip, those kinds of hours in worship in the beginning, and I'm not saying that every day now, I'm just saying in the past, but in the beginning, the Lord had me just worship, worship. I'm finding now that whatever time I do spend in worship, that it is intermingled with worship and tongues. There's a vacillation. I believe that the same Holy Spirit that is praised for our infirmities is also lifting up our inabilities to stay in prayer, to stay in and get past those places. So I worship, I love you, I love you, worship you. Didn't go off in tongues for a while four or five minutes and then back into worship and presence and presence. But if you <laughs> if you've never met um oh, let me go on a little bit and then I'll say that in a little bit. But anyway he he broke through. Pastor Dave broke through and uh as a breakthrough he was baptized in some kind of love that had a presence with it. Now, the first time I went out there years ago, he had a presence with what he was doing. So that was tongues and fasting. Then a presence came with worship. And that presence, he would come out and he would try to stand at the pulpit and he would just begin to weep. And this happened two or three for I don't know how many conferences, he'd just begin to weep. 
And we weren't trying to be like mockingbirds or trying to put on a show, but you couldn't help. The presence of God was, was so strong that the whole crowd would just go into weeping, a presence of a compassion, a love, a presence of the Lord. And Dave would say, and rightfully so, I remember there were one or two times where he couldn't finish and he had to be escorted back to the back and he would apologize because he'd say, uh, this shouldn't be, this kind of intercession that I'm in is supposed to happen back there, not out here. I'm supposed to be able to finish. And he's right, he was right, although he had more than anybody I knew and I wanted to go where he was at. But I know this, that if we're going to go where he's at, Christ, and be like our prototype, uh, we're going to have to get we're going to have to get accustomed to levels of anointing that we've never been accustomed to before. Our bodies have to be filled, unrestricted, our flesh and our soul. Really, when a preacher is, and many of them beyond me, when a preacher is like staggering and can't hardly manipulate, you know, uh, can't hardly work under the anointing and is falling down and uh, that's not the fullness it's not the fullness there's another level of maturity because you never see Jesus under the fullness of the anointing of the Holy Ghost in any of those major crusades just passing out on the ground or you know staggering around But there's a level in which we can come to. Now that level, I am not bragging and saying that I've got there yet. That level has to be fought for in the prayer closet. And I'm not talking about just preachers here. I'm talking about all of us. There's another place that we've never been to. And Pastor Dave would call it um, a room of love. He would call it the Lamb's Room of Fellowship. He would call it a number of different things, but he called it a room, and maybe a room is not the exact perfect way, but it's the best way. It's a, it's a place from where we're at to another place that has been provided in Christ. And it's there through the avenue of well, the room itself, that place of habitation itself is a place of agape, love, pure love. So the latter part of what I saw from Pastor Dave, when I would say Pastor Dave at his, his, at his and he was always at his prime, but the best way I can say it is that he developed into a place where and he did begin to be able to use and w walk in that without that shutting him down, that compassion. But out of that, out of that, out of that worship, that private worship, he began to say, "There's another place. This worship is the vehicle. It's the vehicle to take us in to that room of love, 
to that place, that agape love. And in that place, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Now you don't, and I'll say this, you don't come to that room and then discount any of the other limbs. You know what I'm saying? You don't stop those. Once you come into love, you don't say, well, I don't need the Bible anymore. You know, once manifestations of glory are taking place, I don't need praying in tongues no more. All of these have got to be kept up. I'm just saying that there seems to be in this progression of everything that we're receiving. Somebody, God bless them. I say that really sincerely. They were here years ago in a big part of the church. I never seen anything like it. They had all kinds of phobias and fears and anxieties and just really some real serious problems. And I convinced them to pray in tongues. And they started praying in tongues and they got real sensible. They got real peaceful. They kept praying in tongues until they they thought they got a revelation of love. And the love they thought they were going to receive was the end of all things. Well, it is in a certain sense, but you don't divorce yourself from what brought you to love. And then a demon came, just a pure old, somebody said, well, it was the flesh. No, it was a pure old out, bona fide, step the, put the dipstick in there, pull out. It reads, demon personified. A demon convicts, convinced the person that once they had prayed themselves into a place of the revelation of love, they didn't need tongues anymore. So they stopped praying in tongues. And they left saying, I don't believe that tongues are even really for today. Well, what does that do? Then that cuts you off from being able to walk in the love of God. That's serious. So that's an advertisement to say there's never a point in time where you stop tongues, meditation of the word, or fasting. But it seems like that the progression of all those things put together, that the vehicle that worship takes us to is compassion and love and a room that, now here again, and I do not want to act like I've gone any place. I just want to tell you what I've seen and experienced in some of these better moments, at closer moments. I have seen enough into this place that I see how permanent it feels. I have felt that if I was there, that I would have no feeling of loss as if that I, that I was going to come out of it, like it was a permanent place of dwelling. The other thing, it, it would feel like as an absolute. I, I, I hope this gets across. I have felt feelings and when i say feelings these are not feelings of the of the natural man they're the feelings of my internal spirit as i've gotten and seen into some of this they have been feelings or expressions of experience like an absolute like if i could get in there i wouldn't have to worry about not not staying in there so that again is why he wants to reiterate the fight um, is really 
to get in, to break through in, is, is harder than the maintenance. Okay? I hope that helps. Because what we're fighting for is right up in front of us. Let me just read. You can listen. Or you can follow. I don't, whatever. This is out of Romans 8. I'm just looking to see where I want to start. You know, here's here's amazing part about Romans 8. It starts with telling you that there's no condemnation. And then it ends at the end talking about that there's no condemnation. Sandwiches a lot of stuff in between. The backbone, I think, the skeletal structure, the backbone is like you've got a skeleton. I think the backbone of Romans is Romans 6, 7, and 8. I think those chapters are about the you could, if you could put a skeletal structure and say that this is the, the very backbone. Uh, Paul says some incredible things in those previous chapters. In 6, he's talking about how that we were baptized into a death, that our old man was crucified with Christ, but that was all done that the body of sin could be destroyed. We understand what that body was in seven and this is where pastor dave was so wonderful to give us you can i'll just tell you this you can always know where a man or woman is at or a preacher how far they've come in understanding biblical truths if you hear them say or if you ask them, maybe you, you, you won't be so mean to ask them because you don't want to expose them. But if, you, if it just comes up, how they determine or how that they perceive or teach Romans 7, the latter part of it, where Paul, and I know, I know that it can be a tough one. But then again, when you meditate like Pastor Dave taught us, you have to come to the conclusions that he taught us. Seven, it's incredible. Paul, how he, how he broke that down, he basically starts out seven and saying, uh, I'm speaking to you that know the law. So he wanted, the, he, wanted he was particularly uh, trying to convince the Jews he said, if a woman's married to a man, unless she dies, now I'm all paraphrasing now. He said, unless the man dies, if she's married to another, she's an adulteress. What he was saying to them was, I can't, Christ can't, God can't ask you to be married to Christ, you Jews, as long as you were married to the law. And he goes on to explain that, that whole chapter. 
But he says something incredible. It's, he said, but Christ, in all essence, he fulfilled the law, encompassed the law. So the husband that the Jews were married to was the law, but Christ became the law. Paul said if she be married to another one, another while her husband is alive, she's an adulteress. But if her husband is dead, she's free to be married to another. So it said, basically he was saying, you Jews were married to the law, so you, you can't. It would be adultery. If I introduced you to another way other than the law, as long as you're married to the law. But then he said, Christ, in essence, became that encompass that and that's the husband the law that you were married to and he died he died so you're separated in death now you're free but paul goes the same one that died arose that you may be married (laughs) here he comes he's like uh the husband that you were married to he died but the same husband raises from the dead and says uh are you eligible? <laughs> Are you eligible? Because I set you free. I encompassed what you were married to, and then I died, so now you're free. But now that you're free, are you eligible? Oh, yeah, I'm eligible. I can be married to you now. Oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> but where a preacher comes to the end, if he still thinks a preacher or anybody, and God bless them, millions of Christians do, and it doesn't necessarily determine their salvation, but millions of Christians worldwide believe that what Paul was describing in chapter 7 was his own self presently. Like a Christian, like I, Paul, presently am having a hard time with my flesh so the things that I want to do I can't do and the things that I don't want to do I wind up doing who who's going to deliver me from the body of this death if you don't come to a place where you absolutely understand line on line and it's there so many times it's almost in every verse where Paul becomes the persona of the Old Testament Jew or the Jew that was under the law that was married to the law and I know there's tough things in it, you know, he, when, he, you know when he says after, it gets down to the latter part of it, and I'm not even looking at it right now, I just know it's there. He says, you know, in the in, by the inward man I take delight, it, it got, that'll kind of, throw it, kind of throw you off. But then he goes right on to say, with the mind I serve the law. So that inward man that he was talking about there was the mind wasn't the inward man like our inward man that's born again. But you'll know right where a Christian's at if they're still interpreting, well, the things that I want to do, I, I can't do. Because <laughs> it's just like Paul said, he was a slave to sin. No. The great divide. You know, we have a continental somewhere out west i can't remember which state it's in there's a uh, there's a uh continental divide it's right where the rockies you can go through there 
And on one side is, you know, the eastern shelf. And the other side, you know, they were looking for a passage. They found the continental divide. The continental divide, I'm not saying it's the uh, numeric division. I'm talking about the spiritual division. The continental spiritual division between the old and new is Romans 7 and Roman 8, Romans 8. That's the change of two covenants. So when Paul gets to Romans 8, 1, he says, uh, I'll just read the, the last verse. He said, so of 7, he says, so here we're going up. We're going up close to the, we're going we're gonna to look over into, we're going to cross into this continental divide. So I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I may serve, I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. So he's still talking about that unregenerate person. But here we go. We're, we're stepping over the crest. Here's the cruxable. Here's the whole cruxable of going from old to new. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Hallelujah. So that condemnation there was not like uh, I got drunk last night, dear mother. <laughs> I get drunk. <laughs> Meet me in St. Louis. It wasn't that. It was, uh, it was the condemnation that sin could no longer control. It had no condemning sentence. It could not bring you under subjection because you crossed over that divide. You went from... A, a person of slavery to a place of absolute freedom it's a judicial pastor dave used to say it's a, a judicial term where a gavel comes down and says it's over there's no condemning sentence sin can't ha can't control you anymore because you're no longer in the flesh in the flesh again that's a, a generic term that we use like i had a bad hair day and i got in the flesh that's not what he's talking about anytime that he continues on in the flesh he's talking about reverting back to a man that did not know the lord when we were not yet you could have said when we were not yet born again but there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, this chapter is incredible, too. We can't go into it. It goes into all kinds of powerful things and, you know, the creation groaning and we're groaning, our spirits are groaning, and then the Holy Spirit groans for us, and then, and then Christ himself is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. But I want to go towards the end where it says... So we started out with there is therefore now condem no condemnation. But look at verse 34 towards who is he that condemneth? So he's back on, he's teaching these Jews, who is he that condemneth? Oh, oh let me back up. Oh, let me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> keep backing up. Verse 31, I'm sorry. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, so everything he'd mentioned previously, and we didn't read all that, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Now, one of the ways that you need to understand this is that he began in chapter 7 
actually the whole thing in this part here he's trying to he's it, this is truth for all of us but he's trying to get a point across to the jews and he goes into that whole thing about marriage and death and how that they're free to be married to another which is christ so he's trying to convince them that they're not under condemnation of sin but he also wants them to understand that they're free to live after the spirit in other words they can live a spirit led life which is a spirit not holy ghost spirit led life which he will lead us but just following the do's and don'ts of the new nature was the dictate of righteousness and if they followed that they were free from the law because the, they would fulfill the law by following that righteousness so you're trying to convince people to come out of something and go into something and how valuable it is and that it is really of truth without condemnation you're not any longer condemned to follow sin but here he's also taking another if you want to say another angle another aspect of convincing them because why would he say these things because we we understand that god has justified us but he reiterates time and time again in these next couple verses that we're secure in our walk of following the spirit that just following the new nature and not having to be under the law that we are justified by god who shall lay anything to the charge of god's elect it's god that justifieth who is he that condemneth it's christ that in other words you, you think christ is going to follow a uh, condemn you for this walk of the spirit absolutely not that's the that's what he instituted that's what he brought rather it's he that's risen again who is even at the right hand of god who maketh intercession for us who shall separate us from the love of christ now here in this chapter he goes towards after all of this towards agape and this is our subject matter tonight again i'll underscore this we're not teaching a place that we just put all of our marbles all of our eggs in a basket called private worship and go from here we've got to have fasting you've got to continue to kill your flesh you've got to get into the word of god and all of these things interrelate we've got to keep praying in tongues or else we will not see the revelations and all these things they complement each other each one of them have it seems its own strength but they all complement each other but it seems as if the the further we go into this place of change that the last place that he wants us to transition over into is the fullness of his love and if we can step into that room it's a room so absolute you've heard me tell this story i can't help but tell it again i've got to i was up at jim martin's and we were at a conference and uh, Gary was there, of course, Jim was there, his church, and I was there, and Candy, and all of us, and Dave was there, and Dave preached that night, taught, ministered, administered healing, and this is 
well after he'd gotten into those private rooms of worship. It was incredible service. And I remember Dave went back to Jim's office. Well, a lot of times, somebody will accompany him. I used to, once Dave got done here in this pulpit and went to the office, I had an elder or a couple of elders that would sometimes close the service or do whatever. I'd follow Dave and uh, see if he needed anything. Um, sometimes he just, you know, he just wanted to be quiet. Uh, I'd pour him a Coke or something just to refresh him, just to kind of get him. But that night, nobody, you know, we were still kind of, uh, Jim was closing the service, I guess, and thanking everybody. And Dave went back by himself. And it took us a few minutes to get back there. Well, the best I can remember, it was me and Gary and Jim. Our wives maybe came a little bit later. But when I heard this, I think that was all of us. Um, Dave was sitting in there. And he was sitting. I I will always remember where he was sitting. I don't know where I was at. And I remember Gary was to my left. And and Jim was in there. And he started talking. And, you know, he's kind (laughs) of glazed over. Because he's in a place, had been, and he says, I, "I," he said, "I went somewhere, and uh, and we're listening." And he says, "I went, I just went somewhere." All right, he said, "I went somewhere." And and uh, Gary, um, I thank God for Gary because Gary's real practical. He's really very spiritual, but he's very practical too. He asks, he's like Peter. He asked the question I didn't want to. <laughs> it's like I wanted to ask, "Where did you go?" <laughs> and then he, and Gary says, "Duh." You mean right now you went somewhere? And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, before you guys came back here, I went, I, I, I just went somewhere. And he said, really? We all said, really? He said, yeah, I was, go- I went someplace in the spirit. And I stepped into a room for about a minute. And while I was in that room, everything was absolute. There was no more. Now I'm going to use the best I can to, re, uh, to describe what he was saying. It wasn't as if there was any more faith, like I'm trying to get there. It was just absolute. And he said, uh, the best way I can describe it was out of that room, then I was going somewhere, like somebody was taking me, and I was coming, going to a, uh, a hospital and there was no thought about like going in there and exercising my faith. I just knew I just knew that before I ever got there, I was just going to clean it out. It was just all going to be done. And we were sitting there in a presence that confirmed what he was telling us. You know, somebody can tell you something, they can give you a testimony and you appreciate their testimony. But when there's a heavy, heavy presence that's backing up what they're saying, you knew that David just went there. Well, he had talked about that room before, about seeing it. And, of course, he talked about um, that it was one of the most guarded places in the spiritual kingdom, in the universe of a spiritual kingdom. In other words... If the devil was going to put any guards posted against anybody ever infiltrating that place and staying there long enough that they could come out, 
and just absolutely do what Dave was talking about, that there was no maybe or hope, so it was absolute. And he talked about how that place looked like a vault, a bank door, different ways that he described it. So we were listening, but he said for this night, this time, he actually got to go in, and he was there inside of it for a little while, for just a little while. And that happened after he got back to Jim's office. Now, I know this, and uh, we're going to read this latter part here. He's, he's not wanting just a Dave Roberson. He's asking this Joel's army that all of us begin to believe that that place is very possible and very attainable for men and women who will spend times in presence and in seeking him to step over into that. And let me tell you this, I believe that the more that are able to get a hand or two or a foot or whatever, spiritually speaking, over in that will bring back presence that will help usher more and more that those who are actually qualified, and I'm talking about qualified, they're doing their homework. So I believe this is going to be an onslaught where, where once we've already got prophecies Thank God that Pastor Dave saw it, experienced it. Look at verse uh, 35. He really wants to paint a picture. Paul wants to paint a picture for us. He tells us, God, for the walk that we're on, the separation of spirit walk, there's no condemnation. But he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? He names all these things. And the answer is no. No distress no persecution famine nakedness peril or sword now look at verse 36 as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long this is out of the songs we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter that lets you know right here that there's a there's a place of now he's not talking about death physically you don't die physically he's talking about a yieldedness for us to go into that place, there has to be a yieldedness. Well, how do you yield? I don't know. All I know is if I sit in his presence, he teaches me to yield. Teach me. I, I, can't, I can tell you how to find the teacher. Because in those places of sitting in his presence, and the more you stretch yourself, listen. Now, I know people sometimes will say, I, I've never had those dry. I don't know what. Listen. Well, I'm not being mean, but you have not got to the place where you are particularly dangerously close to moving into that place. How do you say that, Pastor? Because in 4,000 years, nobody's got a pass. Nobody's got a pass like, okay, you walk in and we're not going to fight you. If he can't fight you with distractions for time to even get there, or sickness to even feel like getting there then and i will say this i have at least gotten to this place at times sometimes it's a very start the start is very warm and very personable and very presence filled and at other times i have met hordes of devils and i didn't do anything they were just 
I knew they were there protecting that place. I would dismiss them. But I will tell you this. When people say I've never experienced maybe you haven't experienced a dry time. But if you're going to go into that place, understand this, there's more than enough grace to take you there. And if you're going to be one of these revivalists that helps us go there, please go there. But let me tell you, as a loving friend, you will at times meet opposition. It won't always be sweet and honey and love. Why? It's not Christ that's turned his back on you. It's devils that say, okay, we, we fought her like crazy to keep her from here. We fought him like crazy with sickness. We couldn't discourage. He, he's, he's just, he's, they, think they think you're stupid, you're dumb. You just keep coming back like a bulldog. <laughs> well, we'll just, keep, we'll just create a presence that's like, uh, it, just feels, it just feels like devil presence. Because they got to protect that place. Now the word says that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained praise that thou mayest steal the enemy and the avenger. In other words, you can shut him down even through your worship. Just, just keep worshiping. You will break through. But somebody's got to do it. And it's not just me. This offer goes to all of us. He says this. No, no, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels. Here he starts, he's not just talking about events like death or life. He actually starts talking about entities. Nor angels or principalities or powers or things that are presently happening or things which are to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the what? Love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, just a little bit. We'll get out earlier tonight. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. As I said, we're never going to drop off any of the other limbs. It just seems like all these are pointing us to a room of agape and the, and the, the vehicle that matches up perfectly. It's like bread and butter with the love of God is intimacy. Now, praying in tongues will get you a level of love. Certainly the word of God will. But worship, sitting in his presence seems to take us to a place of unfathomable love. For this cause, Paul said in verse 14, for what cause? We won't go into the cause prior. But he said in verse 14, Ephesians three fourteen, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, the Holy Ghost, in your, in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and you be rooted, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, 
the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might, if we know this love, and this is not just knowing it revelation-wise, but I mean sitting and having an intimacy. Listen, I believe, I'm not trying to shortcut your prayer time, but I'll tell you this, I believe five minutes inside that place of intimacy is probably equal to hours and hours and hours of just normal prayer. Stepping over in that place, it's, uh, it's nuclearized. <laughs> it's nuclearized. It, it gets rid of all fear. It has an absolute in it. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do, this sounds like revival. This is a revival verse to me. To him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that ye ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let me read. We'll get close to closing here. Let me read this out of the Amplified. I think I should do that. Where did I start? I started in 14, didn't I? Okay, let me start here. Ephesians 3, 14. Because he's talking about love. This whole thing is about love. For this reason, and Amplified is really good. It's more of expressions of the, of the Greek. For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built upon in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhoods takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you according or grant you out of the rich treasure of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep, in love, again, look at this. Our subject matter is really love and entering into that room of love, changing into that room of love. That you may be able, that you may, may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. That, ye, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth of it? He's still describing love. See, he's just, to me, this portion of Scripture, is, is, it's, he's describing that room. And I don't know, a room, an atmosphere, a place that worship will take us to the length, the depth, the height. He's built, he's, he's, he's saying if we could step over into that, are we less fortunate if we don't? Yes, in the sense, not that all the promises are not ours, yea and amen to them that believe, but this place is a place provided for revivalists. It, 
it, we won't, we, if we don't step over into this, we won't walk in continual miracles. It's, we've got to go to that place. And it's got to be based on where we have come to. There has got to be some quantum, some quantum movements. There's got to be some quantum leaps. It can't be if you took a track record of the last, I've been pastoring here 25 years, based on the miracle progression and the, the length of time that we've spent to get to where we're seeing, those are good results, seeing a baby not die when they, they said it's going to die the next day. That's a pretty good result. Um, you know, a, a foot being kept. First of all, the woman, the woman that the, were fighting for the foot, uh, she was airlifted, I think, and she was going to die probably in the next few moments. I had a bunch of you pray. God saved her life. We're seeing some prayers. But that, if you, if you, if you strung that out and multiplied that progression, it'd take us about 500 years to get to where what we're calling a revival status. First time, every time. Time is not on our side. It's not. We have to have some quantum leaps, some quantum steps where it goes past the present into an absolute astronomic change, just like overnight, just overnight. That place is only acceptable, accessible through stepping into that room of agape. And then there's an absolute that comes with it because he says, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, which is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. We have taught revelation, and I thank God for every moment of praying in tongues and meditation of the word. And there's been an anointing on our revelation. But there is coming an experience out of what we preach that while people are hearing our words as they heard his words, they will be healed of every kind of disease. Hallelujah. That you may, be, that you may really come to know practically through the experience for yourselves. Experience. We're talking about, listen, somebody says, I, it, it's all by, I know, I understand the faith Listen, I've lived I've lived three quarters of my Christian life not feeling it and going forward. I'm not talking about the feelings like you've got to feel good to be encouraged. You take it by faith just because the word says. But I'm talking about a spiritual experience where we step into a place that we've never been and pull that back out. Because excuse my uh, vernacular, we ain't got time for the progression as it is because we're all going to die and hand this over to somebody there's got to be a oh my god <laughs> there's got to be an oh my god there's got to be an oh my god this this thing changed overnight there was a room there was a a, a change of rooms that changed from one place to the next that you may really come, that you really come, I like this, that you would really come to know practically through the experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled 
through all of your being unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Glory to God. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within you is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far above and above all that we dare to ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers. This is that's that's that quantum place desires, thoughts, hopes or dreams to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's all stand. All I know is we're headed there. And uh, don't think, I'm going to say this to everybody, uh, and I'm not trying to be cute by it either. Show me your dust like Pastor Dave. I, at this point, we're just, we're just wanting some people to get in there. It doesn't, you don't have to have ordination. Or you don't have to be ordained. You just have to learn to go to that place and yield and yield and yield. If you get there, uh, tell me everything you know. If you get there, um, I'm just going to be a little jealous, but that's okay. I'm going to come to your house every night. We'll, we'll you know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy pizzas for a month or something because I'm going to sit at your, you know, if, if you, somebody do it. But let's all do it together. Somebody break through. If Jim or Gary or any of them guys up there get it, I mean break through like what? I'll, I'll be up there for a month or two just hanging around them. I'll bring it back. I'll, I'll stay. But I know how to get it here. And they know how to get it there. And you know how to get it there. And you know how to get it. He's challenging all of us. You don't have to be a preacher. He's challenging every single one of us. I bless you, Father, and I thank you. I give you all the praise and glory. I thank you for this wonderful night. I thank you that you've challenged us prophetically to begin with and then also through the power of your word. God bless all these people that really are so sincere. They've tuned in tonight and they've come here tonight. They've sat in this place. And God, you're so pleased with them. You're so pleased. You keep challenging us. But again, you want us to know that you're so, so, so pleased with us. I bless you, Father. I pray this word sticks to myself and to all of us. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.